You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. We're going to continue with our sermon series on heart-abandoned, loving God because of God's love for us. And this is how we love God back. We're going to be in John 14 this morning. So you can turn to me there, John chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, please stick your hand up so one of our ushers can get a copy of God's Word into your hands to follow along. Now, John 14 is where we're going to be. Before we get there, uh, just a few uh, announcements, I guess, that I want to add to the announcements from uh, Mark. A couple reminders for you. Uh, Number one is this Christmas season. It's December. No yays? crazy. It's December, December 3rd to be honest, so like Christmas is three weeks away and so if you recall our Christmas Eve services are on a Sunday this year so I just want to remind you that we're not meeting in our, in our 9 and 11, 15 on Sunday morning. We'll meet at 2 and 4 on Sunday afternoon to commemorate Christmas Eve and so one of the things we need from you is to mark that on your calendar. Another thing we need is if you're a part of our church and you come every week and you actively involve here, we need you to volunteer for the 4 o'clock service. We are going to have a lot of people coming in. Traditionally Christmas Eve is big for us. This place is packed two services. We need you to help us serve second service, so four o'clock. Welcome ministry and Harvest Kids specifically. I know you think, oh, I'm too busy to serve Jesus on Christmas Eve. Did you just hear that? <laughs> I think I'm too busy to serve Jesus on Christmas. Are we too busy to serve Jesus on Christmas Eve? Of course not. So I want to remind you, this is a great way to love the Lord and worship the Lord and serve Him by serving others. So if you could sign up for 4 o'clock, let your welcome captains or your Harvest Kids captains know, that'd be fantastic. Also, I want to remind you that Christmas, our Christmas offering uh, wraps up December 31st. So you have from now until then to get your Christmas offering in. Uh, we're praying for at least $60,000 this year that we can give so much of it to missions as we unload it for you. But anything above that will be given uh, to our uh, building fund that God is going to one day provide for us a building as we know. Amen. Someday, and we're going to be ready. So if you could just remember that and, and mark that, uh, keep praying about that, how you can participate in that, that would be great. Uh, last but not least, um, we are adding a very part-time staff member to our staff, which I'm excited to announce to you today. Uh, up for the last couple years, a welcome ministry has been on my plate, which has fallen off of my plate many times. And so uh, we're, we're pleased to announce that Charles Bell, who's been with us from the very beginning, is going to take on a very limited capacity on staff for a year contract, see how it goes for him and for us to oversee our welcome ministry. So that is a good news for you and for me. And so apparently Charles is retired, but we know you never retire. And so this is going to be another thing in his retirement that he is going to do. So we're really thrilled to have him uh, on staff with us. Uh, starting next week. So if you see him after church, please welcome him to the staff of our church in, uh, again, a limited capacity. All right, we're uh, in John 14, but before we get there, I am going to pray uh, that God would use this time to really speak to us and move us from uh, where we are to where we ought to be in him as we seek to understand what it means to love God. I don't know about you, but I want to love God so much more, amen? And yet I don't fully grasp what it means. And so I know I can't make you understand. I can't make me understand. And so we're going to ask God to make us all understand and to shape our hearts into worshipers of Jesus who love him with all that we are. Let me pray for us together this morning. Father, our hearts today are eager, Lord, for the word of God. We're hungry, Lord, to not just know your love for us, but to learn how we can express our love to you. God, I pray simply this morning that you'd be prominent in this place. More than anything else, God, you'd be seen this morning. God, I pray you'd be preeminent in every heart today, that you'd be our primary focus, God, that you'd be Lord over every heart here. And God, I pray that where there is complacency in us, that you'd reveal that to us this morning, God. That that you'd not only reveal it, but but you'd rip it out of us and replace within the complacency that can so easily creep into our hearts. Replace, God, that complacency with a love and an adoration for Jesus Christ is expressed so clearly and so vividly according to your word. God, would you shape us? Would you mold us? Would you move us today? According to your purposes for our lives and for your own glory, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the last few weeks we've been trying to ask this question, answer this question, what does it mean to truly love God? What does it mean to truly love God? If you were to ask your friends, you're going to get a whole, a whole wide range of answers for that. 
What does it mean to change to, 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 to love God? You'll get a whole bunch of different answers. If you're even to look at biblical scholars, you'll get a whole uh, variety of insights even from them on what it means to please God. So we don't care about our friends this morning. We don't care about our biblical scholars today. We want to go to an expert this morning and learn from him what it means to love God. So I'm going to give you a quote. Let me see if you can figure out where it comes from. This is an expert, though, on loving God. Here's the quote. It's one sentence, boils it right down to us. This is what it means to truly love God. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Pretty good expert, isn't it? Jesus Christ. I love how, how Jesus makes it plain for us in scriptures. You want to love me? Do you really want to live this life in adoration of Jesus? Here's what it means. Boil it all down to this. If you love me, you will keep my commands. This is coming from the one who didn't just, doesn't just know the rules. He wrote the rule book. And I love how he leaves us no room to question. God, what does it mean to really love you? It simply means this one word. To really love me, it means you obey me. Our culture has made loving God so many things. God clarifies for us this morning that, that loving God isn't the volume of your worship first and foremost. It's not how high you can get your hands in the air and worship. It's not even your ability to retain the word of God and articulate it in some sort of intelligent fashion. It's not being the first one at church on Sunday morning, per se. It's not being the, the one who, who tell, talks about Jesus the most. It's, it's not even being the one who feeds the homeless to the best of your ability. Those all things are good, and those all things are right, but they all must flow from this one place, a heart that is faithful to being obedient to Jesus Christ. That's where the rubber meets the road. You want to know if you really love Jesus? Look no further than the level of your obedience. Jesus tells us that it all boils down to daily determined obedience. It's not those summer camp moments where you have a little flutter in your heart. Oh, I think I fell love for Jesus. It's not the conference experiences where you have this spiritual high. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year determining that with your whole heart, you are going to love Jesus through obedience. This is where the rubber meets the road. It's really part two to last week's sermon. Uh, to love God is to uh, walk by faith. Obedience is an act of faith. And the other side of that, disobedience is a result of unbelief. So we want to love God. We walk by faith in obedience. And I'm not trying to dazzle you with great, cool sermon outlines today. It's too much at stake. I'm not trying to dazzle you with my cleverness today. Too, too much importance to this. I'm just going to say it as plainly and simply as I can according to the word of God. Here's what you need to write down first. Because we want to love God, right? In a real way in a way that others notice, in a way that makes a difference in my lives. Here's what I want you to write down first in, in, under, the under the title, Determined Obedience. To love God, to love God is to obey him. To love God is to obey him. Look at John chapter 14. The verse I quoted for you is verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. This is this whole section here to the end of the ch chapter is sandwiched between verses 15 and verse 31. Look what verse 31 says. This is Jesus' call for us to obey him, but look what, what he tells us in verse 31 of this. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So Jesus is calling us to something that he is actually living out himself. He doesn't say, hey, you need to be obedient. He's saying, hey, you need to be obedient like I'm obedient. How do people know that I love the Father? By my obedience. So verses 21 to 24, where we're going to be today, look at what it says in verse 20, 21. I'm going to read it, then it's going to unpack it for you. In a short time we have. He reiterates verse 15, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, just so you're not confused, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
just so we don't get confused or miss the point, verse 24 really puts the nail, puts the hammer on the nail. Look what it says. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Pretty plain and simple this morning, isn't it? This, this is God's word, not mine. I'm, I'm just going to try to help you understand this the best way I know how, but it's simply this. Love God. Obedience. Don't love God. Disobedience. Like a faithful dog will always respond to his loving master, so we as followers of Jesus ought to hear the voice and heed the call of God. When God speaks, our first response should be, yes, Lord, every time. Who's this written to? The clue is in the text here, whoever has my commandments. Whoever has the commandments of God is is responsible to be obedient to God. Who has the commandments of God? Got your Bible this morning? Hold it up. Come on, hold it up. Phone, I don't care where it comes from. Phone, Bibles. Look at all the Bibles here. This is amazing. This is what every pastor loves. So we have the words of God, right? So is this for me? Well, I don't think it's for me. Well, if you didn't bring one this morning, we offered you one. And so when it says whoever has my commandments, it's whoever has access to the commandments of God. So you have access to the commandments of God. Just to clarify, ignorance with God is not a defense, just like ignorance to the law is not a defense here in Canada. You're to stand before a judge and you're like, well, I didn't know. You know the judge is going to be like, too bad. Guilty. Same thing in God's courtroom. You know, we stand before God and we're like, I, I didn't know, God, because probably because you don't know, it's because you don't want to know because we have so much access to the word of God. Today you've got your phones, you've got the internet, we've got Bibles galore. Whoever has the commands of God, this is me, this is you. Whoever has the commands of God. and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Whoever has the word of God, the word of God contains commandments. I know in our culture we try and wiggle our way around words we don't like, and so I've heard many people try and wiggle around commandments, and like, well, that must not mean this. You know, maybe we can find the root of the Greek or the Hebrew. Maybe we can find a different meaning. And commandments, you know what commandments means? Whatever language you're looking at, it means Commandments. It's not good advice or superior wisdom. God's word does not contain good advice or superior wisdom. God's word contains orders or commissions of a king, an official, or a general. Imperatives. Divine commands and commands, understand this, commands always end in a period, not a question mark. Commands are always given by a higher authority, not so we can discuss them and debate them, that we can live them and and follow through with them. And the word is here, keep them. What does it mean to keep the commands of God? I know for many people in today's culture, it means that I I keep the Bible in a nice little treasure chest in my basement where it can never be, never can be, you know, messed up or... That's not what it means to keep the commands of God. It doesn't mean that you keep them on the dinner table or on the coffee table so that you remember that the Bible contains good words. It means that you keep them. To keep them means that you, you secure them in the vault of your mind. You put them in the safety deposit box of your heart and you lock them in there. You open up the word, you read the word, and you lock the word of God, the commands of God, deep within your soul that you might live out the commands of God. Obedience simply is this the hearing or the hearkening to a higher authority. It's simply this, loving God enough to know and live his desires. To love God means you obey God. I'm gonna say that over and over so you don't miss it this morning. To love God means that you obey God. This is a crucial, crucial message for us. Please don't make loving God anything that doesn't involve obedience like so many of us are prone to. God tells you this today. If you love me, you'll obey me. How many times did you hear that growing up in a house from your dad? Any of you guys hear that? My dad tell me that all the time. Son, if you love me, you'll obey me. I've told you before, we used to butt heads. I was a stubborn young man, and my dad was also stubborn. Apple didn't fall, fall from the tree, and so we'd butt heads a lot. And oftentimes, I tell dad, dad, I love you. But in my heart, I had no desire to honor him. I had no desire to follow the rules of the house. 
I loved him because I had a nice house and I had clothes and food, but, but as far as, as respecting my dad, that wasn't even in my equation. My dad would get so frustrated with me. If you love me, then why aren't you home on time? If you love me, why is the lawn still getting longer and not shorter? My dad wasn't very theatrical, but even break into charades once in a while, you know, he gets so frustrated with me. If you love me, listen to me and follow through with what I tell you. I always said I'd never be like my dad, but you know what, in the last month I've caught myself saying the exact same thing to my kids, I don't know how many times, and I catch myself every time, if you love, oh, it's just like my dad. Swallow your pride, right? If you love me, Zach, if you love me, Maya, if you love me, Nicholas, don't tell me anymore, please don't tell me anymore that you love me. No more hugs, no more kisses. I just want you to what? Be obedient. That's the greatest way to show me that you love me. This is, this is God to us today. It's the same principle, the same concept. God says to us, if you really love me, you'll obey me. He's given us some clear-cut commandments to live by, to reflect our love for him. The Bible is filled with commandments. Not just the 10 in Exodus. We know those 10, right, really well. Many of us think that the commandments were Old Testament, New Testament, just, just love Jesus. That's all the New Testament is. I've heard that over and over. Old Testament commands law. New Testament, just love Jesus. If that was the case, you know what New Testament would be? Love Jesus. We need more than a page. The New Testament also has commandments. In fact, one scholar counted 1,050 commandments in the New Testament. Things to live by under the authority and the rule of God for his children to set us apart from the world. As an avenue to reflect our love for God. And these commandments cover every phase of man's life and our relationship with God, in relation to our fellow man, both now and forevermore. Why did God put commandments in the Bible? For us to live by. That's why God gave us commandments. I heard someone else tell me, well, you know, the New Testament, it's not prescriptive, meaning it's not imperative telling us what to do, it's descriptive. Ever heard that argument before? All the New Testament is doing is describing to us what the Christian is going to be as the Holy Spirit works in us, but God never commands us for anything. He loves us too much. Baloney, he loves us too much to not command us in the right ways to go. Well, there's many descriptions of things in the New Testament. God's prescriptions in the New Testament commandments are for us to follow. Not question, not debate about, not find our way around, but to follow. God's imperatives, God's commandments are not Old Testament or New Testament suggestions to us as we treat them sometimes. They're imperatives to follow. I think sometimes we see this word commandment and we think suggestion. For some reason, many believers interpret that word commandment with suggestion. And we think that God's laws are sort of like the laws of the land when it comes to driving. I know the speed limit says 80, but come on, my car goes like 150. You don't really expect me to live by the limits, do you? Why why is there laws in our land to limit us? Why are they there? Protect us for our benefit and everybody else's. I know the laws of the land say not to text and drive, but that's for the guy who can't multitask. Surely it doesn't mean me. It's just a suggestion, correct? Incorrect. Every accident we pass, my wife's like, texting. I'm like, you don't know that. (laughs) Stop assuming. But why are the texting laws there? Good suggestions? No, so we don't kill ourselves or somebody else drinking and driving. How many people just don't get it that the law is there to keep you from ruining your life and everybody else is around you? So many people treat commandments 
in the Bible, like we treat our laws in society, and yet, and yet God's set us up some commandments for the same reason our country set up some laws for us, to, to govern us, to help us, to protect us, to watch over us. And every commandment in the Bible is there for our good benefit. Put the commandments in the Bible to follow. I know, again, some of you are like, oh, legalism, I hear legalism. No, 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 God set me free from any commands. He set me free from any laws. Incorrect. God has set you free from the bondage of sin so that you can actually live in the realm of his good and righteous laws. That's what you're free. You're free from bondage of sin. You're free to live out the laws of God. Legalism is this, is trying to earn your salvation before God by doing what is right. Obedience is completely different than that. Obedience is I see God, I understand God, I want to live my life for God because I love God. So in obedience, love is the root and obedience is the fruit, as Matthew Henry says. Huge difference, isn't there? Gonna be obedient, I'm gonna earn, gonna earn, gonna earn. It's not gonna earn, you can't earn anything. So I, I see, I love, I want to please, I want to be like. That's why we're obedient to God as believers. That's why we love the commands of God. That's why we delight in the commands of God. What are God's commands? They reflect his nature, they reflect his character, they show us who he is. And so, as followers of Jesus Christ, like, I, I, I see God, I wanna be like God, I wanna know God, I want to live in his commands. Here's the reality brothers and sisters. If you're saved today, if you've realized that you need a savior and, and you fall on your knees in repentance by faith, turn to Jesus, here's what God has done for you in relation to his commandments. He's, he's taken out your heart of stone. Ezekiel 36 says, he's taken out your heart of stone. The one that says, I don't need God, I don't want God, I don't care about his dumb rules. He's taken out that heart and he's given you a heart of flesh. He's given you a heart that beats for him, that longs for him and says, man, I, I, I just want to know the reality of God fully. I want to live in that reality and I want to experience the fullness of God. He's given you a heart that loves the laws of God. Because again, the laws of God reveal his character and his nature, which is always good. So as followers of Jesus now, it's not like, oh, the commands. It's like the commands, the sweet commands of God. I want to be just like my Savior and like a little kid following his father in the, in the you know, footsteps in the snow wants to step in his father's shoes and try and reach out for those footprints. So we as followers of Jesus Christ want to just walk in his shoes and we know we walk in his shoes by obeying his commands. Psalm 119 says that as believers... The commandments of God become our delight. It's a delight to hear the word command because we love God. I know many of you are struggling with this whole concept because you've grown up with this idea that, that any command is bad. If it's anything against what you want and how you want, then it can't be good. It's, it's limiting you. It's not letting you express yourself for who you are. It's not biblical, it's not right. We have an authority figure that loves us enough to give us guidelines for our lives. Here's three reasons why you can delight in the commands of God. If you're wondering, how can I delight in the commands of God? Here's three reasons how you can delight in the commands of God. Number one, because they are of God. The commands of God are of God. We get that in the Old Testament. We get that in the New Testament. Commands of God aren't like Moses' idea. The commands of God aren't from Paul or Peter or, or Matthew. The commands of God in the scriptures are all from God. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is what? God breathed, meaning the commands come straight from him. And this is a good thing. God is the creator of the universe. He's the designer of all life. And he's given us in essence, with the commands of God, a manual so that we'll know how to live life to the full and get the most out of it as God designed. That's what the commands of God do in our lives. Any appliance we get, what do we get with our appliances? A little instruction manual, right? Most of us guys are like, instruction manual, get this thing set up and let's get this thing going. Only to find like a month later, why is this silly thing not working? Which our wives of our marriage say, well, get the instruction manual out, honey only to get it out, and you're like, really? Like, this isn't even meant for what I'm using it for? You mean, you mean food processors aren't, it's not just supposed to be on high speed the whole time? 
It could ruin it? Who knew? So you get the manual out. Why? So you can see what the specs of the machine are, what they were created for, and how you can use it to function long-term for what it's made for. This is what it comes to the commands of God. God's given us a manual that we can see what the designer intended our lives for and how to function to the best of the designer's design for us as we live our lives. This is a glorious thing. They come from God. And when, God, when the God of the universe speaks, when the designer speaks, who are we to question the one who made us? God is not my little buddy next door. God is the king, the CEO, the one who governs the universe. We delight in his commands because they're from him. Here's another reason why we delight in God's commands, because they're all good. Every command of God in the Bible is good. Eh, I don't like a couple of them, pastor. They're not good. They're good. Doesn't fit, though, with the way I think my life should be. They're good. They're for your good. For your blessing, God's commands aren't to put his little thumb on you and be like, ha, I got control of this guy or this girl now. They're, they're to bless you. We can't forget that as we study the word of God, we see a command of God. Command shouldn't cause us fear. They should cause us a spring of hope. This is a good command from my God. Again, sometimes we treat the commands of God like our kids treat our house rules. I've told you before, but you want to turn a, bad day, a good day bad in my house, there's one word that can do it every time. It doesn't matter when you mention or how you mention it, it'll, it'll turn a good day bad. It's bedtime. Or nap time. My, my youngest now, he gets so mad when we say it's bedtime. It could be 10 o'clock at night. Like He's like two years and three months. He gets so mad, he actually makes himself vomit. So not only do you have a screaming kid, you're coming up the stairs, you got vomit all over your back. And I'll wrestle that little guy in bed, and once I get him to <laughs> calm down, I'll be like, buddy, I'll get it right on this right on his crib. And I'm like, Nick, this isn't to limit your life. It's because daddy loves you. You need to sleep. This is good for you. This is right. This is gonna help you be healthy and, and, and have a good day tomorrow. You don't sleep tonight, it's gonna be bedlam for all of us tomorrow. This is this is good for you. Every rule in my house has been set up for the good well-being of my kids. Not one of them is like, ha, let's make this rule and really limit their lives now. Not one. It's the same with God. God's given us good things, whether you agree or disagree, whether you're like my son, uh, Nick, or not, whether you make yourself vomit because you're upset with God, God's rules are good for you. Just like we tell our kids, and Daddy knows best, our Heavenly Father knows best. Here's a third reason. They bring God glory. To live out the commands of God and the ways of God, it brings God glory. It elevates and highlights God, and it brings him so much joy to watch his kids being obedient. Just like I tell my kids at the end of the day, if it was a good day, man, that was a good day today. It brings me so much joy to have harmony and cohesion in my house. When we're obedient to God, it brings him joy. It exalts the name of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that your obedience is actually an act of worship to God? How do we worship to God? It's not just through singing, it's through obedience. Romans 12, 1, right? It's an act of worship when we, when we offer ourselves to God in obedience. Do you realize your obedience is actually telling God you're grateful for the fact that he's saved your soul, that he's, he's adopted you into his family, and that, that he's, he's made you a, a, a prince and a princess of the living God. It's, it's actually an act of gratitude. Thank you, God, for all you've done. Do you realize this, that, that God delights in our obedience more than he delights in our sacrifices? says that in 1 Samuel 15, 22. Our obedience brings God glory. God says, I'd, I'd rather you be obedient than bring me your offerings and your gifts and even your, your, your best lamb, your best cow. You know, I love even more than that. A little, little gift to make atonement for your sin. I'd rather you just be obedient. That's what would show me you really love me. Furthermore, God promises to reward obedience. Exodus 19. God promises obedience brings blessings, the blessings of the of holy living. 
as it says in Isaiah 48, verses 17 to 19. Bottom line is this, as we just unpack that first part of verse 21. Here's the, here's the bottom line. The best way to love God is to, what's the word? Come on, that was half-hearted. You still sound like it's painful. The best way to love God is to obey, obey him. All week I had this song clanging around in my head. It was a song I learned when I was a kid, and I thought my mom taught it to me just to teach me to obey her. But I realized that it was deeper principle to obey God. Here's the song. I think it spells it out so right. It's the obedience song. Really creative back then with titles, right? The obedience song. I'll try to sing it. I'm not good at it, but here's the, how it goes. It goes, O, B, E. You guys know it? And C, E, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. And then it goes on. I won't sing it. I can't sing, as you can just tell. But that is, it sounds different in my head than it comes out every time. <laughs> Packed with truth, this song. That's not just for little kids. Something we as adults need to grab a hold of again, I think. It's this. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Get this? Doing exactly what the Lord commands. Oh, yes, I'll do it. No, doing it happily. Action is the key. Oh, I will one day, or one day I hope. No, action is the key. Do it immediately. Joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Verse 2. Go. We want to live pure. We want to live clean. We want to do our best, sweetly submitting to authority leaving to God the rest, walking in the light, keeping our attitudes right on the narrow way. For if you believe the word you receive, you always will obey. You know what song I think we ought to be running around in our head a little more often than it does? O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. got it all mixed up, brothers and sisters. We have all these superficial ways of thinking that we're loving Jesus. You know what Jesus wants more than anything? Our obedience. You want more scripture to back that up? I knew you would. Here's some more texts from 1 John chapter 2 and 1 John chapter 5. Actually, obedience is a litmus test for whether you even know God at all. Do you realize that? Obedience is a litmus test for whether you really even know God at all. 1 John 2, verses 3 to 6. Don't take my words. I'm just a guy. Take God's words. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. How do we know we've come to know him? If, see that word, if? Just because you claim to know God doesn't mean you know God. If we keep his commandments. That sounds a lot like John chapter 14, doesn't it? It's a theme throughout the whole New Testament. Whoever says, I know him. This is pretty straightforward. Whoever says, I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Oh, I love God. I'm just not into his commandments at this point in my life. Eh, wrong answer. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. I don't know if I really know God. I don't know if I really know God. Here's how you really know, you know God. Because God's taking your heart and he's giving you a desire to, to be obedient. No desire to be obedient. Guess what? This text says it right here. You don't know God. I know it's pretty straightforward. I know it's harsh. It's what the Bible says. I'm not trying to impress you today. I'm trying to tell you what the Bible says. Case in point, there was a kid in our youth group way back when that, that I chased all over the town of Tilsonburg and and. Most pastors have a little have a guy in their sermon named Johnny. This guy's actually name was Johnny, not just a peripheral like Johnny. And Johnny be in the front row at our youth group meetings, and he would have his hands high in the air, and 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 yet as soon as youth group would be over after Sunday night, he'd go, and he was probably one of the rottenest kids in town. No joke. The things that he did made my head spin. And I remember people in our youth group going, oh, Johnny loves the Lord so much. I'm like, how do you know? Like, like how do you know? What's the proof? Well, is he even church and. Youth service on Sunday? Like, he's worshiping. He's got tears. I'm like, do you know what he does Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday after youth? 
You know, it could be an immature Christian, but like, let's just wait and see. And, and ran into his older brother like a year and a bit ago at a, a wedding um, shower kind of thing. And I was like, Andrew, how's Johnny? He's like, oh, my goodness. He is nowhere near God. You thought he was bad in high school. He is way worse now, but he still likes Christian music. What do you think? In this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Listen to this one. 1 John 3, 5, 3 to 5. It's not just knowing God that the litmus test for obedience is. 1 John 3 and 5. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome to us. It's like, oh, what a drag. I gotta keep the commands of God today. This stinks. Everyone else gets to live life and I have to like, be limited by God's commands. It's not burdensome to us. It's not difficult because the spirit of God lives within us and for everyone who's been born of God, we overcome the world. Because the Spirit of God lives within us. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Not boring, not hard, not labored. The commands of God are a joy to us because it's a way to express our love for God. Let me ask you this question before we go on in this text. Let me ask you this question quickly. If, if your true level of your love for God is determined by your obedience this morning, don't put your hands up. Don't shout out your answer. How much do you really love God? If the true measure of your love for God is determined by your obedience when, when no one else is around, when, when, when there's no accountability, when you're just living your life you know, Monday to Saturday, like how much do you really love God this morning? God's given us some imperatives in his words, some commands that, that he expects us to live by. Think of this command. Just, here, let me help you flesh that out a little bit, whether you're, you're living in obedience or not. Here's some commands of God that he gives us in his word. Number one, follow me. Not say a prayer and run and do your own thing, but follow me. Living out that command? What about this one? Believe and be baptized. That's not a suggestion for you in the scriptures. That's a like, hey, if you love me, you're going to believe and you're going to be baptized and follow through with my command. What about this one? This is a command. Do not forsake meeting together as some of you are in the custom of. Here's a good suggestion for you. Maybe you should not... Don't do it, God says. In other words, like, like you need to be making priority, church your priority, where you gather with the, the body of believers under the authority of the elders that God has set up for us. This is loving God by being obedient. And what about this one? God calls us to be a part of the body of Christ. In other words, we're, we're called to care for each other in a real way, not a superficial, hey, love you. No, in a real, we're supposed to care for each other and carry weekly kingdom responsibilities. These aren't options God gives us. Hey, if you have time, maybe you can sneak some of these things into your schedule. These are commands. This is how I ordained your life to go. Do you love me to make these things a priority? What about the, put on, the take-offs and the put-ons in the scriptures? God, God has commanded our, us a certain way our characters are supposed to be. Colossians chapter 3, God says, take off the old self, the flesh, and put on the new self, the, the, the things of Christ. And it's not a suggestion that maybe you want to put these things on. Every one of us this morning, we got up and got ready for church. We never had the thought in our head, should I get dressed this morning? before I go to church? We never had that thought. I, if you did, don't put your hand up. Because we'll look at you funny for the rest of your life. We got up and what we think, well, what am I going to wear to church today? There's no options here. So God's telling us in Colossians 3, there's no options when you wake up in the morning. You're either, you're either putting on the characteristics of the flesh or you're putting on the characteristics of, the, of God. Are you going to be obedient today and love Jesus with the help of God? Listen to some of the character qualities that God tells us to take off. Take off anger. And wrath, and malice, and slander, and obscene talk from your mouth, and lying. Take these things off. Well, I don't want to take them off. I kind of like those. Take them off. If you love Jesus. Instead, put on these things. Compassionate hearts. I'm just not a compassionate person. Put it on. Kindness. Other people have that gift. Uh-uh. Humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, but they don't deserve forgiving this time. Put it on. Love. 
The love of your obedience determines your love for Jesus. What about this command? This is going to get close to home for some. Flee sexual immorality. Well, if it makes you feel good, you can stay there, but if it doesn't make you feel good, come, no, it's not, not that at all. I, I flee sexual immorality, the thoughts, the pursuit of. What about this one? Keep your marriage bed pure. Do it. It's best for you. It's right. What about this one, kids? Honor your mom and your dad. But they weren't very nice to me this week. Honor your mom and your dad. It says that in both Exodus and Ephesians, old and new, to make sure we missed it. What about this one? Abide in me. Abide in me. Got a second? No. Abide in me. Make this a priority. Abide in me through the word of God and prayer. Take every thought captive before God. This is what God commands us. Set your mind on things above. Oh, one day I'll set my mind on things above when I'm closer to death, but not now. Set your mind on things above. Men, lead your homes. So hard. Does God know the life that I have is pretty hard to lead my life? Lead your homes out of love for Jesus. Wives, submit to your husbands, not in an unhealthy, goofy way, but in a complementarian way. Be their helpmate, be their partner. Let them lead. That's what they're designed for. If I want to follow God in that way, it's loving God, integrity and honesty and generosity. What about these two commands? Last ones. Go and make disciples. Oh, my pastor. That's good for my pastor. No, it doesn't say pastor in that passage. Sorry. Go and make disciples. Maybe you want to go and make disciples. Well, this one, go and sin no more. I don't think he really knows what he's asking me to do. Yeah, he does. He does. Go and sin no more. I think it's easy for us to talk about commands. It's easy for us to desire to do the commands. You know the rubber really meets the road when you're living out the commands of God. Here's what Oswald Chambers said. One step forward in obedience is worth years of studying about it. One step forward in obedience, I heard it said another way, I'm not sure which one's the accurate one or not. One step forward in obedience is worth a thousand years of studying about it. Because it's the evidence of our love for Jesus Christ. Don't worry, points two and three are going to be a little shorter. Here they are, because we're only partway through verse 21. Do you notice that? Some of you are sweating bullets right now. Don't worry. It's so important because, because not only is, it, is God called us, but there's so much blessing a part of, of being obedient to God. This is where our blessing and our life is found in Jesus Christ. It's found in obedience to him. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Got that down. Listen to this. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That's pretty significant. You choose obedience and it leads to a greater communion with God. My obedience leads to closer communion with Christ. You see that in this verse? He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Here's what Judas, not Iscariot, said to him. This is Judas, the son of James, probably. Lord, how is that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. There's some pretty significant blessings if we're going to choose obedience, isn't there, in this passage? You see that? Here's the first one. Just in these few verses, my obedience leads to closer communion with Christ. Number one is this, I'll completely know the love of God. We don't fully know the love of God if we're living in disobedience to God. I know some of you are thinking this, well, what's this passage teaching? Pastor means that if I'm not obedient, God's not going to love me? It means this, if you've never been obedient, you're still under the wrath of God. Even though God loves all mankind, you're still under the wrath of God if you've never chosen the path of obedience at this point in your life. But as believers, it's, it's, it's not a matter of wrath, it's a matter of fellowship with God. 
Disobedience will cause a disconnect of the flow of the love of God to you and your love, of, your love back to God. It's, it's a huge disconnect in the fellowship with God. And so we won't fully experience the love of God if we choose to walk in disobedience. But if we choose to walk in obedience, God tells us, then we'll know fully the love that God has for us and experience the love of God in so many ways. It's like my dad told me, two ways to do this, son. You know, live in my home for the next couple of years. He's only like 15 or 16. Easy way, you can get in line with what my rules of my house are, and we can actually have a good, loving, solid relationship. I'll still love you, but, but this is the way the relationship will flow the best. Hard way, you can keep the direction you're going, and it is going to be a long, hard two or three years for you and for me. I won't stop loving you, but it's going to be difficult. What's your choice? What's our choice this morning? Are we going to go the path where we can know the fullness of God's love? Or are we going to go the path of dissonance with our father? It's not just a father-son this works out, and it also works out in a coach-athlete scenario. Coach submits himself, the athlete submits himself to the coach, and there is going to be harmony and success. Athlete does not. It's going to be disarray and frustration and probably no wins. Any football fans out there? A couple? Here's a football illustration for you that, that paints this picture so well. It's, it's from the Dallas Cowboys back when they used to be good. That's for you, Terry. Back in the 70s, they actually were a good football team, and they had a coach, Tom Landry, who was a football genius, and they had a quarterback, Roger Staubach, who, who was a talented athlete, but they would constantly butt heads, these two. Because as Wise as the coach was, the quarterback hated the fact that the coach would run in every play. If it was going to be a run, it came from the coach. If it was going to be a pass, it came from the coach. And the coach, when the coach ran the play in, the quarterback better not change it. And if he did, he better be bang on right. So there's a constant friction. In the process of being coach and athlete, somehow the athlete, Roger Staubach, realized that, man, if this is going to go anywhere, i got to get under my coach. And they actually won the Super Bowl in 1971. The Cowboys won the Super Bowl. And after the Super Bowl, one of the reporters said, so what's the key to success? How did you guys do this? Uh, awesome coach, great athlete. How did you do this? Here's the answer. It's very profound from the, this pretty arrogant, confident quarterback. He said this, the whole key to our Super Bowl success was this. I had to learn what it meant to be obedient. And once I learned to obey... There was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. It's the exact same in our relationship with God. We want harmony and fulfillment and victory. It involves us being obedient so we can know and receive the love of God. But look what else this says. Number two, closer communion with Christ, I will truly experience the presence of God. It's not until we're obedient to Christ that we'll truly experience the full presence of God. Look what it says here. He who loves me will love my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas is like, what in the world? He, Judas is thinking he's coming back for a second time, and he's going to come, and, and here he is, Jesus. How are you going to manifest yourself to us and not the rest of the world? He didn't realize that, that, that Jesus was saying something much deeper than coming back one day. He's saying, hey, if you live in obedience, I will come, and I will meet with you. I will show you all of my goodness. I will show you all of my character, my nature, and I won't just abide among you. I will abide within you. I'm not just going to show myself from a distance to the Obedient. I'm not just going to show up at the party for a quick glimpse. I will actually move in with the one who is fully yielded to follow me in obedience. This is a huge comfort for the disciples. Jesus just told them a few chapters, a few, a few passages before that he was going to leave them. And they're like, what? You're going to leave? Now what? First part of chapter 14, Jesus is in verse 2. Jesus says, don't worry, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm not leaving you hanging. I'm going to go play a place for you. They're like, well, that's fantastic. But what about in the meantime, Jesus? This is where this passage comes in. In the meantime, you choose to be obedient. And this is a promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to indwell you and live within you. 
that we'll have sweet fellowship through something greater than Jesus, something greater than Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. And this is an important part of the text. When Jesus says he's going to manifest himself, it means he's going to show himself. The, the, the obedient are the ones who experience the presence of God. You realize that? The obedience are the ones who experience the presence of God. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? See God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Do you realize that your level of obedience towards God actually determines how much of the manifest presence of God you'll encounter in this life? This is awesome because if you look at this text, it's all under the subheading, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Because even if you think about this whole thing with obedience, if you're like me, you're like, wow, 1,050 commands, there's no possible way I can do that. You think that as I was quoting those stats? There's no possible way I can live 1,050 commands. I have a hard enough time with the 10 from the Old Testament. Here's the great, you choose obedience and God's gonna dwell within you. He's gonna make his home within you to empower you. His presence empowers you to actually live, desire obedience and live out the obedient call that he's called you to. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. What an awesome promise. You choose to follow God in obedience. The Holy Spirit comes to help you in that process. Alan Redpath says this, if you look up into his face and say, yes, Lord, whatever it costs at that moment, He'll flood your life with his presence and his power. What a sweet promise for God's kids. What an awesome promise for God's kids. Obedience, see God. Obedience, the power of God to live it out. Question, it's been a long time since you've seen God. Everyone else has seen him, but you haven't seen him. It's been a long time since you felt the power of God. Let me ask you this. Are you following God in obedience? Because it promises us here the manifest presence for those who follow in obedience. Chances are you're not experiencing the manifest presence of God because you're not walking in obedience to God. Here's the reality. God doesn't just want like 75% of our hearts or 50%. I want to see God. I want to know God, but I'm only giving him half of me. Only half. Because I only agree with half of his commands, the rest is for me. You're not going to see God to the full extent God wants you to see him. 75% or at least let me give him 90%, but I got this, this one thing, this one command that I refuse to do for God. Because it's my right, it's mine, it's my life. Those who follow God in obedience, he will manifest his presence and his power in. Quick heart check. Quick heart check today. Am I living out for Jesus in all or nothing obedience like he calls me to? Truly. You want to see God? You want to experience God's power? It's an all or nothing obedience. I'm going to go after this. I'm not going to be perfect at it. But I'm going to trust that God's grace covers me where I'm not perfect. I'm going to go after it. Think about this. Jesus gave his everything for you, and what he wants back is, his, is our everything for him. To say, Jesus, I love you, but I'm not going to give you my whole life is equivalent to a, a man telling a woman, I love you, I want to live in the same house with you, but I'm not going to marry you. What? If you love me, you'll marry me. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. No more can we say I can't do it because God promises the Holy Spirit is going to live within us to help us. We'll come and make our home with him. See the hour there? It's plural. Father, Son, Holy Spirit going to make our home within us the obedient. Verse 24, just to make sure we don't miss this last point quickly. Make sure there's no angles in this that you find loopholes in. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Write this down in your notes. To disobey God is to tell him you don't love him. 
To disobey God is to tell him you don't love him. To willingly disobey God is to tell him you really don't love him. I love how Jesus leaves us no room for wondering or wandering in the text. He covers it. He draws a line in the sand. Hey, if you love me, you're going to come. You're going to set up your camp in my territory and live within the rules of my campground. You don't love me. You're going to go to the enemy side. You're going to set up your tent over there, and you're going to live by a whole different set of rules, and there's a big wall in between. You have a choice. You're going to live, and you're going to camp out with me. You're going to camp out with the enemy. To say I'm going to set up my tent here and live over here just doesn't work. If you love me, you're going to obey me. To say you love Jesus and to walk in disobedience is equivalent to that kid who's going to run away from home. You ever do that when you're a kid? I always threatened it, but I never had the guts. My sister, though, had the guts to do it once. I remember the big debate with my dad. I was probably in grade two or three. And, if you don't love me anymore, I don't love you, Dad. I don't like your rules. Everything is, you don't like anything. I've given you nothing. I'm out. I was like, oh, where's this going to end? Dad's like, there's the door. And I was like, I watched my sister go marching out the door in defiant disobedience. And, and I watched her from the window. She'd take three steps and look back. See, is Dad coming yet? Kick the snow a little bit, three more steps. Now, nope, not coming. Walking and walking and walking away. I watched her go around the corner. I was like, Dad, she's gone forever. He's like, she'll be back. Sure enough, five minutes later, she comes in the back door. Dad's like, what are you doing home? She like, had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> True story. What a picture, though. That, that's, that's what it is to, 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 to walk in willful disobedience. Say, God, I love you, but I'm going to take a step further away from you. You coming yet? I'm taking a step further away from you. You coming yet? I don't care. I'm doing my own thing. I'm going to take a step further away from God. And, and how do people get lost? Step-by-step step, acts of disobedience away from the Father. They walk out of the Father's house. They're going to do their own thing. They're done with him. I'm going to take steps on my own now. You take a step out of your father's house from, uh, away from his rules and you are basically saying to God, God, I do not love you anymore. I don't want anything to do with you. And every step further away from God in disobedience, willful, active disobedience, it just gets harder to come back. It's not just a slam to God. It gets harder to come back. You find yourself eventually cold and lonely and freezing and hungry. And you're a good thing your father comes after you for sure. And he will if you're saved. And he'll come after you. But don't miss the point. To walk in disobedience is to walk out, the, out of God's door away from him. There's no way else to say it. You can't say you love God and walk out the door of the home. The longer a rebellion lasts, the harder it is to come back. Every day of rebellion is a step further away from God, and the journey back just gets harder. This is, the, this is the biggest fallacy of the Christian faith today, simply this, that I can love Jesus and live however I want. It's a fallacy. If that's you this morning, I don't know your heart, if that's you this morning, can I give you a piece of advice? If you're gonna choose to live against God in every single way, but you're gonna keep talking about loving God, can you stop talking about loving Jesus? It's a slap in the face of your God, but it's also a disrespect to the name Christian. Yeah, we're gonna mess up. Yeah, we're gonna have our bad days and bad weeks, but if you're gonna deliberately live on this side of the camp and pretend that you're tense over here, can you please Stop for your own soul, for everybody else around. Instead, here's what God would want you to do today. God would want you to pick up your tent over here, like pick it all up and carry it over to this side. And the, the way in is through Jesus Christ. There's one way through that door, through Jesus Christ. Jesus, I'm, for, I'm repenting of my sin. I'm coming back home. I want to live in obedience under your authority and your care and come in and just make your tent here from now on. That you might know the blessings and the presence and the fullness of God. This is what it means to love Jesus. We choose to live in disobedience to say we love Jesus. The world looks at us and is like, huh? Tear strolls down the face of God every time. Listen to these verses. 
Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Romans 2.8, for those who are self-seeking do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. There will be wrath and fury. 2 Thessalonians 1.8, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel, brothers and sisters, is not just a sinner's prayer. The gospel is also the power to live in holiness for the glory of God. Do we love God this morning? Do we truly love God this morning? You want to know what it means to have a heart abandoned? Desiring God, abiding in Christ, walking by faith. Don't miss this one. The expert of all experts said it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Let me pray. Father, thank you for teaching us the true reality of what it means to love you today. God, we acknowledge today that we so need Jesus Christ in every way to help us with this. God, help us be people who trust you completely, who surrender our lives to you, who resolve to be obedient, God, who surround ourselves with other brothers and sisters to keep us on this path and who rely on your amazing grace every single day. God, I pray specifically this morning for the person in this room or the people in this room who've never really known obedience, a heart that desires your commands to live within them. God, today would be be the day they come to you for for real, God, repent of their sin and say, God, I want to walk with you from this day forward, experiencing the wonders of love and life that you've provided for me in Jesus Christ. God, I also pray for those today that have maybe fooled themselves into thinking they're loving Jesus, but they're really only 50, 75% being obedient to you because their life is so much more about them than you. Oh God, today in this place, in this moment, would you convict them of their sin, oh God? They know what it is, the one they're holding on to, they refuse to let go of. Would you rip it out of their hands, oh Lord? Would you rip it out of their heart? Would you rip it out of their mind? And Father, today would there be a day of commitment that today from this day forward, I'm gonna love God as evidenced by my obedience to the best of my ability by the grace of God. Would you help us today, God? We really want to experience the fullness of you. We wanna know you perfectly in every way we can. Would you help us, Lord? Know this truth and live it out for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.